Chronically fully sick. Before we begin, I'd like to let you know that we're recording today on the stolen lands of the Eora and Kulin nations. Sovereignty was never ceded, and this was and always will be Aboriginal land. Thank you, Joe. Welcome to episode 18 of Chronically Fully Sick, the little podcast that is very tired but sort of could. <laughs> An annual beauty pageant in small town Minnesota turns ridiculously competitive and ultimately chaotic in this biting comedy. Joanna Nielsen, the daughter of a hard-drinking mum, and nemesis Chloe Sargent, who is motivated by her former beauty queen mother, are among the top contenders in this event. As Chloe, Joe, and other local girls prepare for the big day, bizarre incidents occur leading up to and ending with a bang. Fabulous. Do you like it, Joe? I do like it. If I'm do not mistaken, what? that is Drop Dead Gorgeous. Yes. Yay! One of the best movies of all time and one of my favourite childhood films. Oh. Um, and watching Denise Richards in that and Wild Things absolutely just informed me of my innate gayness. Yep. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it's also like basically impossible to stream. It's been at the forefront of my mind recently because it's so hard in Australia to find anywhere. Mm. Anyway. If you haven't seen it, you should definitely watch it. Absolutely. Give it a go. Find it anywhere. Mm -hmm. Illegally download it. I don't care. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you want to get updates on us and the Chronically Fully Sick podcast, you can do that on Twitter at Chronic Full Sick or Instagram at Chronically Fully Sick or you can get in touch with us via our website, chronicallyfullysick.com. Uh, we do have a group on Facebook called Chronically Fully Sick, obviously, which is filled with lovely spoonies who chat about all things chronic illness. And don't forget to rate, review and subscribe because I'm now in lockdown and it, I'm very sad. So please help cheer me up by giving us nice compliments uh, via Apple Podcasts. Thank you. They never do. These bastards do. just bleed us yeah. dry. <laughs> For all this like... All this free content all and this we get free. nothing... All this free, intelligent content, hot takes, scientifically informed opinions. Yeah, educated, educated opinions. Yeah, all of it. I can't mm. believe it. Mm. Disgusting. Uh, anyway, how are you, Joe? How are you doing? Uh, look, I'm pretty good. Actually, no, that's a lie. <laughs> I got my. I love that. That's like the thing that you go to, though. Like everyone is like, "Oh yeah, I'm pretty good." Oh no, wait, I can actually not lie about it. Yeah, <laughs> so. no, I, I'm not gonna lie. I had my second Pfizer shot. Uh, listeners mm. will recall that the first one resulted in a donut-shaped titty rash, and it did. It did. And <laughs> it really did. I was sick for about five days with like a clang and headache, nauseous, more tired than usual, which is really saying something. But mm. I am so happy to be vaxxed, back sack and crack. Is that a thing? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. You disgust me. Yes, that is a saying. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I yeah. went to my gynecologist, uh, the first one I've ever been to in my life, to be honest, um, mm-hmm. about getting you know, scraped out with the endometriosis um, and he... Scraped out is such a... It's what the... Joanna way well, of saying Well, that's that. what I said to him and he's like, well, it's not really scraping. It's it's like, you know, we just cut the... T- and I'm like, yes, I know, dude. <laughs> I know this, yeah. I'm not saying it that way for... Yeah, anyway. Yeah, this is just my personality, so get used to it. Be glad that I'll be under... <laughs> yeah, be glad that I can't Anesthesia. Speak. So I he pretty much said that it's going to be like $8,000 to have it done Fuck. or possibly I think it's a year just wait to just get into the clinic. So it's probably about two, I've heard even three years on public at the moment um, Jesus, to get a laparoscopy. But faster on private. Yeah, but, but I... Way more expensive. Well, yeah, I've only just got private health insurance because I've never been able to afford it my entire life. Mm. And I've done the maths and figured out that it's actually worth it Mm. and thanks to Norma in the group by the way who informed me that if you have a grandparent that served in the military that you can actually get on the defense force public health and my granddad served in world war ii 
Um, wow, who knew that? That's correct. Not that your granddad surfed. I mean, that you could use that as a... Yeah, well, so they should because they really fucked him up. Like, he was really sick uh, and mm. died in his 50s, I think, of malaria and associated, like, comorbidities oh. or something. But he, he worked Yikes. in... Um, What's it called? Like intelligence in the Solomon Islands mm. in World War Two after Pearl Harbor. So thanks, Roy. Wow. Thanks, Roy. So if you do have rallies that are cops, I'm sorry that that you do. If you do, um, <laughs> or, this is an ACAB podcast, but uh, wee woo, I'm wee sure woo. your relative is an okay person. But yeah, sure, yeah. fine. Yeah. Okay. Um, but the, <laughs> but you can actually get on their health insurance probably if you've got a relative in the defence force, cops. I think teachers too. Oh, teachers too. I think I didn't so. Know that. Um, yeah. But oh, thanks wow. to the the group for helping me out with that. I never I never would have done it otherwise. I would have had no idea. So that's yeah. fucking great. And the other thing I wanted to mention before we move on is I got like I hate board games, Chloe. I don't know about you. Yeah. I'm not a board game person at all. The idea of sitting down and playing a board game, I'm like, no. Except no, no. Hungry Hungry Hippos, that's pretty good. No. Playing Hungry Hungry Hippos. Hey. Hungry Hungry Hippos. Hungry Hungry Hippos is the name of the game. And whosoever hippo gets the most marbles wins. Playing Hungry Hungry Hippos. No. No, I'm not. No. I'm not for it. My yeah. brain won't do it, and because I have an English degree, everyone reckons I should be good at Scrabble, but I'm just not. Um, yeah. And then I get frustrated and like tip the flip the table over and just storm out of the room. <laughs> I flip at the table, yeah. Totally. I re- I refuse yeah. to participate in the capitalist nonsense of Monopoly. By the way, actually, it's an oh. anti-capitalist game, but well, it started that Is way. It? A woman invented it to be an anti-capitalist game. But anyway, I played this game called Articulate. Monopoly sucks. Yeah, it fucking Ooh, sucks. Okay. Yeah, artic- Articulate. I think it's yeah. called that. Mm. But it's basically, they read the rules out. I'm like, oh my God, this is the game for people with fibromyalgia because guess why? You have mm. to describe things like nature, objects, people. They give you, you spin the thing and they give you a card and it'll say like, uh, let's say the Nile River and you have to describe right. it to your teammates without saying the name or you know yeah, like saying the Nile River yeah exactly yeah. so I'll say um you know Cleopatra's water or whatever <laughs> Cleopatra Cleopatra water Egypt blah. yes yeah. yes yes and big it, long yeah 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 or big long or water scissors. snake scissors <laughs> Pointy cutty yeah. guy with legs. Yeah. We have to... <laughs> Pointy snip snip. <laughs> that is perfect because that's what we do anyway. Our brains don't work fast enough to have, like, to remember the actual words. So we just make up words as we go along. Fibro fog. Yeah. It's the game for fibro It fog, really, really, really is. And I, I totally even like, thrashed well, it. Even though we call it fibro fog, it's... Brain fog is something that affects so many different chronic illnesses across the board. So, yeah, brain fog. It is the brain fog game. Yeah. So you get Elton John and you're like, big sunglasses, piano, rocket man. (laughs) Yeah. You know? Gay. No, yeah. (laughs) Just just yell gay. You do that anyway. Um, So anyway, speaking of gay... Um, I believe mm. you were on a television show for this purpose. <laughs> Speaking of gay, oh my god, that you are known as the Segway Queen, but I reckon that one takes the cake, Joanna. Thank you. Um, yes, this this past week has been a bit of a uh, a roller coaster. Mm-hmm. Let's let's just say that. So yes, I filmed a episode of a TV show the other day, which was uh, an excellent experience, and it's a sort of like a panel show uh, that uh, the topic of it was bisexuality. Mm-hmm. And so it was like, yeah, panel show. And so they just asked a bunch of the people that were in the audience about their experiences as bisexuals. And so they, yeah, they asked me about like my experiences dating as someone um, bisexual. Mm. Yeah. So that was, it was really interesting. And I, I now can't remember anything I said because I was so nervous. Oh yeah. Like, I know. I know the you know, feeling. Yeah. It was like that feeling of like when you leave a job interview and be, you were really nervous for it. And when you walk out, you're like, people are like, how did it go? And I'm like, I have no idea. I can't remember. It's kind of like I have no idea. playing a gig. Like you never remember afterwards how totally. it went. So. Yeah. But do, it's, yeah. It's, do you, your brain just like fully, because it's so heightened, your brain just goes, oh, that seems like a trauma thing. It just <laughs> erases it. 
<laughs> True. Which it, it was traumatic. No, it was it was fine. It was a re- really great re- uh, learning experience. I have no idea how I'm going to come off on television because I can't remember what I said. So, but the point we'll is, we'll see how that goes. Chloe is single and available. Yes, I am single. Please go on dates with me. Except right now you can't because um, <laughs> Sydney is in lockdown. Yes, it's a full role reversal from me making fun of Joe and calling mm-hmm. Melbourne Plague Town because now Sydney is Plague Town. Oh, is she calling it lockdown now? Oh, that's interesting. Glad- Gladys Berejiklian, oh. the Premier, has some libertarian fucking notions about lockdown and forcing people to wear masks and this kind of shit. Yeah, I... I don't think she's used the word lockdown still. I think it is uh, – she uses some bizarre, area, very wind, windy <laughs> words to be able to – Area area focused, area, locality-focused, stay-at-home directive. Yeah, it's like stay-at-home orders or something like – I can't remember exactly what mm. it is. Yeah, like closed – city thing oh good we're playing that game anyway yeah so sydney's in lockdown sydney's is plague town it's all because of eastern suburbs rich dickheads Mm -hmm. that uh, went about their lives like nothing was actually wrong while the rest of us were trying to do everything right it is yeah so it's being referred to as the bondi cluster which (laughs) sounds a lot like a cereal that you know if i bought i would never financially recover from but Mm. it is actually um what they're referring to uh yeah so it's people just were going out to restaurants and you know going and just every everything was filled because they just went oh cool pandemics it's over yeah well i don't think they ever changed their actions i think it was just always like that and they were lucky up till this point oh yeah totally and three percent of australians are vaccinated and now sydney's just gonna hotbox all of us with this fucking virus or dutch ovening Mm -hmm. us you know which whichever you prefer absolutely (laughs) yeah whichever whichever you prefer Mm -hmm. it's not up to us no kink shaming on this podcast kink Um, shaming so yeah Um, and yeah, the other thing is, is that I started again on Lyrica. Boo! Um, yeah, it's to be honest, it's not going the worst this time. The first time I tried, it went really, really badly because I just come off of an SSRI, mm. and I think because I did it too quickly, I thought that I was getting the side effects from Lyrica, where it was probably actually still a withdrawal from coming off the SSRI. So mm. yeah, on Lyrica at the moment, so. I will let you know how that goes in a little bit. So for those uh, playing at home, crossed. Lyrica is called Pregaborlin. Uh, I'm going to say Pregaborlin. Pregablin. Pregaborlin. Sounds like it sounds like when you have sex when you're pregnant. <laughs> Pregaborlin. <laughs> you are a menace. Oh, isn't it Pregablin? Yeah, probably. <laughs> It's an anti-convulsant medication used to treat epilepsy, neuropathic pain, fibromyalgia, restless legs, anxiety, and it's kind of just like an epilepsy drug they've repurposed. No one really knows why it works. It sometimes doesn't, and it sometimes makes you insane. And gives it gave me really bad. What's the word? Oh, I've got the poster behind me. Vertigo. I've never had vertigo, so I don't know what it feels like, but I think I feel pretty normal, but... I think the hardest part is is that now being in lockdown, I'm not gonna sh- I'm not gonna be sure if I'm having bizarre side effects because I'm not sure if it's just the lockdown sending me absolutely up the wall or <laughs> whether mm. it's Lyrica. Mm-hmm. So we'll soon find out. I'll let you know shortly. But yeah, the um, I a good thing that maybe to to try while I'm in lockdown is uh. Apparently, recently they found out that there's opioids in the cocaine in Sydney. I know. Did you see that? Yes. I just don't understand this. Can you please explain this to me? (laughs) Because. So basically they put out a health press release Uh. from New South Wales Health, I believe it was, Mm -hmm. saying, everyone be careful. There's opioids in, in the cocaine in Sydney. And I felt like such a bad person because my immediate thought was, oh my God, amazing. (laughs) (laughs) but also then my brain went oh wow so it's easier for me to buy like illegal drugs and Mm -hmm. inadvertently get opioids than it is for me to go to a doctor and get adequate pain relief for my (laughs) 
well documented chronic illness. That is that's that pretty is really cute. something. Mm. Yeah, but yeah. Anyway, it is apparently very high levels of high level opioids. It'd so be it like fen- dangerous. It'd be like fentanyl or something. It is fentanyl. Ah, I think. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, I felt really like a bad person because I was like, oh my god, cool. And then yeah. <laughs> no, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, we make jokes like that just because it, it is so hard to get adequate pain relief uh, for chronic illness. I know a lot of us will be able to relate to that. So I did yeah. actually read I'm... that um, during lockdown, the big lockdown in Melbourne last year, sales of apparently sales of cocaine went up massively. And yeah. I did post I about this. I think it was this. all illegal drugs. No, cocaine more so than anything just else. Cocaine? Yeah, more so oh, than wow. anything else. I was like, I, I, I remember posting it on my Instagram and I'm like, this isn't true. Like, what What do you mean? Like, what are you doing? Is it because people couldn't go out and spend their money? So they're just like, oh, my God, look at all my money. What can I buy? But when, ah, the most expensive drug there is. That's true. Mm. Personally, that's not the route I would go. And apparently it's true. I had someone that would know about these kind of things message me. And, uh, mm. yeah, yeah, okay, that. So Fascinating. Maybe, people are at home and just wanting to fucking party on go nuts well maybe they uh maybe they're looking forward to the actual sedative like effects that uh a bunch of fentanyl (laughs) they're initially gonna get yeah 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 i know my bedroom uh bedside table looks like a fucking toxic waste dump how about you uh in what way oh like <laughs> <laughs> you're just shitting all over your your bedside table yeah no i just uh, i just roll over and do that oh my god speaking of shitting before i move on actually <laughs> speaking <laughs> of shitting continue okay yeah. when i was at my friend's house the other day she was like do you think covid can get passed on by like farts because it's in the <laughs> It's in the wastewater. And I'm like, yeah. COVID does not live in your ass. What are you talking about? Yeah. Oh, no. Imagine someone walking up to you and being like, yeah, I got the COVID. Yeah, it's, uh, I've, got co- I've got COVID in my butt. But- I've got it in my butt. <laughs> I've got the butt COVID. <laughs> but, I- but, like, if it is in the waste, maybe. Dude, dude, I, I looked I'm this up sure. and it's dependent on <laughs> how many particles are in the fart. So let's say how wet it is. <laughs> Oh God! And and it's less likely if you're wearing pants or underpants. So you'd have to be bare butt and fart in someone's face. <laughs> Going commando and farting in someone's face. Yes. So basically, what you're telling me is that I have to stop rimming people <laughs> <laughs> for your own health and Fuck. safety, please. God damn it! <laughs> Oh, no, this has just gone way off, way off the fucking track already. See, this is what happens when you go off what our, like, our document (laughs) step-by-step, what we're going to talk about, because COVID farts were not in in our list of things we were going to talk about. And this this is what happens, Joanna. Anyway, what I wanted to say is, like every other sickie, I have a bedside drawer full of empty pill packets, Right. Oh, boy, yeah. Oh, yeah. Boy, boy, oh, boy, yeah. Boy, oh, boy, I do. (laughs) So there's actually a company called Flora and Fauna who do a recycling program that actually recycle empty blister packs and Webster packs amongst heaps Mm. of other stuff. Very cool. It is really cool. So if you're not a customer of theirs already, they sell a a bunch of beauty products, home stuff, whatever, whatever. Mm. Um, Skincare. Yeah. You fill up a um, shoebox with all your shit send it to them and then you get a, a you have to pay for postage though but then you get a ten dollar voucher to spend in their store and you can just keep doing that um mm. so i thought that I was suppose it would be cool. quite light though if you the shipping costs would not be exorbitant so you would probably make a profit mm. with the ten dollar credit and there's another place called banish that does the same thing as well oh sorry i will also mention about the flora and fauna one the only thing they don't take is uh packaging for cytotoxic drugs which uh our listeners with ms and rheumatoid arthritis may take oh thank you so, 
yeah, for the most part it is. They take all the Webster packs, they take all of the normal Webster packs. Um, but, yeah, it's just cytotoxic drugs, which uh, because those drugs are dangerous to handle, mm. it's obviously just like a health thing for them, mm. which makes sense. Uh, and, yeah, Banish do the same thing as well and you can get $15 credit, um, but they don't do Webster packs. But I thought that was really cool because I just have, like, yeah. a giant um, pile of bullshit around constantly. Totally. And I was, I, and we go through so many. Exactly. Like you know, it's... So that's really cool. And if uh, they should sponsor us for this bullshit. But anyway, I just wanted to say that because I'm so sick of just throwing all the shit in the bin and it seems like a lot. Yeah, for sure. Those kinds of recycling programs that are, you know... They are specific, but they are something that directly affects our community. So, but that being said, don't feel any guilt if you're not able to do stuff like that because your health is number one priority. Oh, yeah. Throw everything in the fucking bin if you have to. Who cares? Yeah. Yeah. For like, don't ever feel any kind of guilt for not participating in stuff like that. The able-bodied people can pick up that heavy, that heavy load for you. So don't stress. Yeah. So the other main thing I kind of wanted to discuss this week was, and we get requests for this all the time, and we did touch Mm. it on it a little bit last week with the call from Grace, and that is working while having a disability or an illness. Do you disclose? Do you not disclose? What are your rights? What what should you even do? Um, and this is something that you and me have dealt with a number of times, I suppose. For yeah. me in particular. It like affects you like every single job, every single time you start a job. It is a constant cycle of this. It's not just one something that you deal with once and then it's over, you know. So it's exactly, something yeah. we're going to have to deal with our entire lives. So we always get requests. So we wanted to kind of go through some of the basics and there. Yeah, talk about what how everyone feels about it. Yeah, because um, this is particularly relevant to me this week and I obviously won't go into too much detail with my own work mm-hmm. and I asked for some flexibility on just something that's quite small. It's just, it's little things that can make life a lot easier for you that don't really sometimes affect their bottom line as much um, mm-hmm. and they don't realise how important little things are. In this case, yeah. I understand that the cumulative effect of me working too much whilst I may be able to do it for a certain period is going to mean that I'm not going to be able to do my job at all. Yeah. I think a lot of able-bodied people in that situation really struggle to understand dynamic disabilities Mm. and that kind of thing as well. Like where you look and act and work like a, you know, workhorse for X amount of time and then for another week you're off sick all the time and that kind of thing it's like it goes back and forth and Mm. we get that because it's our our experience but Mm. they don't seem to understand in the past I have just lied or just dragged myself to work I definitely have before too yeah Yeah. um because I I could barely do it like as we've discussed before like you know we've both fallen asleep in a stationary closet or something Mm -hmm. you know yeah Mm. because but it is one of those things that, like, trying to hide it constantly and that kind of thing can then be super stressful and then have an effect on you, on your health as well and cause flare-ups and that kind of thing. Yeah. So sometimes it's, like, a horrible cycle. Mm. But, yeah, I I have definitely lied about it with previous uh, jobs that I've had. I've definitely disclosed and then been punished for it. Mm. Yeah, it is a horrible merry-go-round. Like, sometimes you, you're never sure what to do because... Some both situations can not be great, or they could be fine. So it's a bit of a Schrodinger's, Schrodinger's chronic illness. Well, I was going to so. describe it as an Ouroboros. I think that's how you say it: the snake eating its own Ouroboros. tail. Or Ouroboros, mm. like, but it's made of shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a turd. Yep, a turd <laughs> eating a turd. <laughs> It's a COVID turd in your turd. Oh, boy. Um, Lovely. Lovely. I've just gotten to the point where I've gotten really sick because I've been just trying to suck it up and be an able-bodied person when I'm not. And I feel like the... And we both are the type of people that, like, we are very passionate about what we do Mm. and we will often work ourselves into the ground Mm -hmm. and not realise that we're doing it until it's too late. Mm -hmm. My work ethic and my brain are willing but my body is not and I forget that sometimes still to this day I forget it It, and it is something you have to relearn over and over it's gotten to the point yeah with the endo stuff on top of fibro where I just can't 
hide it anymore. Yeah, I just can't. And I just want to yeah. say also, like, before we launch into the specifics of this, that, you know, I don't think anyone should have to work. I believe in a univer- universal basic income. Absolutely. Like this is, bu- and grind culture is Sounds bullshit. Good. Making your hobbies into a monetary thing is bullshit. Mm-hmm. And this whole culture. Yep, this whole culture around like, You've got to work, you've got to grind, you've got to pull yourself up by the bootstraps that... Work hard, play hard. Yeah, exactly. It's a bunch of shit. I don't want to do either. It's a I bunch of do shit. I of those things. And that rest, <laughs> and I want to say that rest and um, recovery is essential to like, you know, even being an activist and being a present member of your community. And it's just as important as any other thing you can think of. And if you want to read Absolutely. a bit more about that um, sick woman theory is a good thing to read which we'll discuss at a later point but yes i i've done a bit of reading today and um Mm. on the human rights website i just sort of wanted to say you know when you should kind of disclose it's obviously up to the individual right Mm -hmm. whether you want to disclose or not that only applies to situations where you're obliged okay so you're obliged to disclose if your disability or illness will affect or impede your ability to do your job so totally that would be like if chloe you know someone wanted you to be a professional wrestler or Mm. dog and i am a professional it's true um (laughs) or if can you not tell by all of my muscles my bulging, bulging muscles. <laughs> or if if wild dogs spit off my hands and I had a job as a typist or something like that. Yeah, totally. <clears throat> Those situations would be classified as not being able to do the main activities or inherent requirements of a job. If you can do those inherent requirements of a job with some assistance or tweaks to your workplace or how you work, you can request that. And most of the time, employers have to comply. Making these changes is commonly referred to as reasonable adjustment, and these allow for equal workplace participation for people with disabilities. The federal government can provide financial assistance for workplace modifications for employees with disabilities. That's called the Employment Assistance Fund. You can request that at any point, and obviously you need to disclose to do that. Your employer, however, isn't obliged to provide flexible hours unless you've been employed by them for 12 months or more. However, if you have a disability or an illness which you believe will not affect your ability to do a job, you're actually not required to tell your workplace. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So then it comes down to like if you want to or not. What's happened to you in the past where you've disclosed your disability, Chloe? One experience in particular is the experience that always leaps to the front of my mind. Mm And that was when I had managed to get a job that I was so excited about getting. It was one of those things that I, I was like, oh, my God, this is it. In the end, I was so dedicated to this job. I was working way heaps of overtime and all of that kind of stuff. Like, I just, I loved it. But because I was so, I cared so much about, I was scared of losing the job and all of that kind of stuff. I decided that I was like, I'm just going to be completely upfront with them. I'm going to uh, disclose absolutely everything upfront. On the, I did a, when they first spoke to me at the job interview. It is one of those, yeah, I was up front from day dot. Mm. And then it was when I took, I think, my second day off sick. Um, and I remember I was still on my probation. I'd maybe been there for about three months. I took my second day off sick. And the next day I went into work and I got pulled into a meeting room with the manager. And the manager basically sat me down and scolded me for taking two days off in three months and then turned around to me and demanded to see the geodata from my phone to prove that I was actually sick at home the day before. What? Yeah. And the most hilarious part was my previous job had been working at Apple and so I knew exactly how to find the geodata on my phone. But he didn't. So, like, I gave him my phone. I'm like, yeah, go for it. You, You know, I have nothing to hide. I... Blah, blah, blah. But I knew he wouldn't be able to find it. So he was like, oh, no, I don't actually know how to find that. And I'm like, oh, no. Well, that's a shame. You're not. Yeah. Oh, dear. Me neither. So he never actually saw it. But I was. I was homesick in bed, spent the entire day in bed. And yeah. So that is so illegal. Mm. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Asking geodata from someone's phone to prove that they were sick when they took a day off sick. So yeah. What about you? I just don't. 
Yeah. It's just you, too hard. Yeah, we are like both quite opposite in this where I'm always the one that's like, I'm going to yell it from the rooftops and just be so open and transparent about this to my detriment mm. a lot of the time. And you always go the complete opposite way and go, nope. Yeah, I usually just find a shower stall to curl up in at work mm. at lunchtime and not tell anyone about it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But that's yeah, that's not always sure. best. And today I kind of looked up what actually what what is a disability? Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like that's something I struggle with to define and always have totally well I struggled with it when I was looking at the COVID eligibility checker Mm. and it was like are you disabled so I clicked yes but then when I clicked the info box on how they described disability I didn't fit under those boxes so I was like is that actually the descriptions of like the proper description of what a disability is and it's not anyway I get confused about that all the time too according to sort of legal sources. Um, Disabilities can be physical, affecting a person's mobility or dexterity. Intellectual affects a person's ability to learn. Mental illness affects a person's thinking processes. Sensory affects a person's ability to hear or see. Neurological affects a person's brain and central nervous system. Learning disability, physical disfigurement, I don't like that word, or immunological presence of organisms causing disease in the body. physical difference now. Yeah, this might be a bit out of date and so that's actually just 17.7 of the Australian population and that's actually a lot of people that is a huge amount of people Mm. and to be that's almost one in five people to be deemed a disability the impairment or condition must impact daily activities communication or mobility and has lasted or is likely to last six months or more right so okay so like chronic illness falls into so many of those boxes exactly yeah absolutely Mm. Oh, show, but it is also completely everyone's choice about whether they identify as disabled or not. You can fall under so many of those 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 columns, but um, still not really feel comfortable using that word. It's a personal decision. It's a personal choice. So, the advice you know. that I would give to people on this is have a doctor's certificate before you have this conversation with your employer. Mm-hmm. I think the most important thing to remember is it's really important to have a paper trail. Um, totally have Make, get, get do everything in writing yep have your follow-ups mm-hmm. on your email so it's written out of course these conversations can happen in person but it's a lot better if if you can prove that there's been correspondence related mm. to it and do you know what I did after that meeting mm-hmm. the hell the hell meeting which I mentioned I was talking about earlier yeah um I actually sent through like a dot by dot thing of what happened in the meeting as if they were minutes and then ah, through that's pretty good as an email after just being like just sending through the minutes of our meeting so we have it for future reference mm. Mm. that's that's so really good crafty crafty and just realize too that like no matter how nice your work is um no matter what you do for a job the thing is with employers is it's all about their bottom line, unfortunately, no matter what totally. what they say, what they do. So in this situation, they're a business. yeah, they're a business. It's yeah. it's good to go in prepared with something like a work plan or this is the mistake that I, I made mm-hmm. to prove Same. that asking for flexible flexible employment options is not going to impact your ability to you know, be a productive worker in their bottom line, unfortunately. And you can also like, you can, if bringing in that sort of like work plan situation can also help solidify during the conversation that uh, you've done your research and you know full well that it is your right to ask for this, Mm. you know, like it immediately lets them know, oh shit, she's come with receipts. It's that kind of situation. Yeah, exactly. Having these conversations with your workplace is super hard. And I know that it's given me an extreme amount of anxiety um, having these conversations, which, which you know, of course, has exacerbated my symptoms. I, I struggle with that whole concept of turning into work, Chloe, using work language and business language and that kind of stuff. I don't want to say things like synergy and shit like that. <laughs> you know, like, I don't want to say let's circle back every fucking hour. Oh, you know, God. like it's, oh, it's, I just think it's such bullshit. So I really, really struggle with 
when I'm going into some kind of formal business meeting, knowing how to phrase things to sound super professional. Mm. You know what I mean? I actually found this thing on the um, Victorian Equal Opportunity and Human Rights Commission. Now, don't tune out if you aren't in Victoria or you aren't Australian, because this is a really good tool regardless. Some of these things may not apply to you, but it's it's accessible to everyone as well. Like the website isn't just to Victorians you can access it from anywhere so it's called a flexible work request planner Mm -hmm. and it's an online sort of bot that helps you prepare for and consider requests for flexible work so you get into a private conversation with this chat bot who provides you with information and tips and things to say and ways to guide the conversation um and and like things that you should bring to a meeting mm. like points that you should bring to the meeting to be able to Make sure that you've covered everything, you know, because I know that I get super overwhelmed in those meetings Me as too. well and end up forgetting what I want to say. Me too. So, like, having something to bring with you that reminds you what points to hit, I find really helpful. Yeah. So, it says, by helping people to proactively start the conversation about flexible work, the planner aims to support an inclusive workplace culture and reduce the possibility of discrimination occurring. Mm-hmm. It is a confidential way for you to learn more about the rights of workers to flexible work and the obligations for organisations when considering requests. And then it sets out some concrete steps um, that can help set out the right work arrangements for you and your employer. And it mm-hmm. gives you talking points and that kind of stuff and that's all tailored to the choices that you kind of select um, when you go through the process with the chatbot. So I actually found it really helpful and I wish I, I had I should also seen mention it. just before we go into it mm. they do have some issues with screen reader stuff in terms of access- accessibility but the Victorian government human rights website thingy does have a lot of this information on without the chatbot situation on their flexible work page on the site so you will be able to get a lot of the same information you you might just have technical difficulties using the bot yeah if you scroll down there's information for screen reader users um yes and another access link to it um did you find Mm -hmm. it helpful when you had a bit of a play with it Yeah, so I found it helpful just um, sort of in the way that like, because it kind of, by the time you get to the end, it kind of lays out what points to hit when. Mm. And also like, it kind of gives you an example of really uh, direct professional language Mm. to use. So I don't know about you, but I I do really, really struggle with, you know, living in a cool patriarchal society Mm. um, and where... Being a woman, I I tend to apologise a lot and say, you know, like use language that is uh, very passive and things like that. I actively have to think about it when I'm writing emails and that sort of thing mm-hmm. that I'm like, I don't have to say sorry at the beginning of the email. I don't have to do this. I don't have to do that. And I think this tool is very, very helpful mm. because it gives you that sort of, uh, what's the word? Um, Parlance. Yeah, and it, like, helps you be, I don't know, like, men come off as, like, when men are really straight to the point and uh, assertive is the word. Uh, Love that fibro fog, baby. Oh, my God. I feel like we're – this this podcast is a good example of playing that board (laughs) that we mentioned in the beginning. Like, it is just – Woo! Yeah, so it helps you use like assertive language that isn't uh, passive, that isn't, you know, apologetic. And it helps you know exactly what points you have to hit and when kind of thing. And for people like me, it was super helpful because Mm. I often struggle with those sorts of face-to-face meetings you know for instance it'll say I'm a dedicated staff member and my request will help me continue to be a productive team member the first thing you say is I'm really good at my job Mm. here's what you can do to help me continue to be good at my job you know like it's great I love that um that's great yeah that's the type of thing I would never say on my own neither um I've prepared a few points that I'd like to discuss my request for flexible work why I'm making it the potential impacts of my request and how I think that would work for us both and they have little talk points like um to make sure these arrangements work effectively I plan to ensure communication through weekly meetings I've been reviewing my situation would like to request this change to my working arrangements for my chronic illness I also recognize that these proposed changes need to be realistic and workable and suggest that we trial this flexible work option for one month the trial thing's really interesting yeah it is it is one of those things that like you know 
they'll begrudgingly give it a go and mm. be like, no, but we need to put a trial period in place. So if you suggest it first, mm. then they immediately are more sort of like amenable to things like this. Mm. So, and yeah. it'll it does it's not doesn't give you legal advice as such but it will say things Mm. like under the fair work act protections apply to your request if you have worked at your workplace for at least 12 months Mm -hmm. and this kind of stuff so um we really recommend having a peek at that if if this is something Mm. you're thinking about and we'll put a link up to it in the show notes they also have uh at the end of each chat it will send you like a bunch of links and downloadable guides for you to have a read through about your rights and you know in in greater detail so if you are really nervous about it absolutely use that bot and also read through that kind of stuff so you feel as equipped as possible we fucking love it we love that yeah we love knowledge we love power we love science and we love science science and and being articulate (laughs) and assertive yeah (laughs) yeah yeah we love it cool 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 uh so today i got on our instagram and decided to ask some of our followers these questions about Mm. if they've disclosed to their employer um how their employer reacted to that how employers react to disclosure of invisible illness versus visible Mm. illness and disability in general um and advice for people that are thinking about disclosing and advice also for employers if a um if a person decides to disclose and I tell you what, I had to take this down after like an hour because we got so inundated with responses. Like, Oh, my God. Yeah. I had a nap and I woke up and my phone had so many notifications that I thought that like – I don't know, you'd said something Done and we were something being attacked bad. by right-wing trolls. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, I was like, oh, God, what has happened? What has she done? I would, I no, would jump to that It was just you guys conclusion. giving me super helpful tips. Yeah, yeah. It was great. It was really great. Yeah. Um, overwhelmingly so. Overwhelmingly so. And I just have to... <laughs> I do have to say that everyone gave us permission to read these out, but we were so inundated that we might not be able to (laughs) read everyone's experiences and advice out. And if we don't get to you, please send us a Spoonie hotline, which is a voice memo to chronicallyfullysick at gmail.com. But you guys just killed this, by the way. Yeah, I'm so impressed. It's unbelievable. Yeah, so on asking that, have you disclosed to your employer I just make up weird, elaborate lies. Can I identify with I that? I think that's one of my favorite <laughs> responses because all of the rest of them are kind of like, here's my experience. Yeah, here's and that person like, was like, you know, very specific. And I just make up weird, elaborate lies is so general. It could mean anything and I'm obsessed with it. <laughs> um, I did. They ended up firing me after my excision surgery was pushed push forward a month as my condition was severe. My manager kept me on for a full weekend and then fired me in front of everyone after my shift ended. Oh, Smiley face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Said he couldn't deal oh, with God. my issues anymore, was once in the ER at 4am and let them know what was going on and they guilt tripped me to come back into work for a 14 hour shift with one 15 minute break on my feet all day. Then they fired me. Love heart. I'm so sorry. That is so shit. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I did. I ended, I ended up getting let go for requiring too much time off despite having doctor's notes. They made it a redundancy, so I was paid out. But at that time, because I was already struggling, it took me months to find another job. Uh, I can't work. I now can't work due to my health issues. For sickies, have doctor's notes to back it up. And for employers, put yourself in that person's shoes. Make working from home an option if possible. And if they have a time of day where they feel better allow them to work during those hours. Mm. Handling working while sick, a pain specialist told me to take longer toilet breaks. Just sit that no one can police my toilet use and that I should take that time to take a breath. Sadly, not very, very realistic. Uh, excuse me, take a breath of fucking shit particles? Are you fucking kidding yeah. me? That is the worst advice I've ever heard. Ugh. And also I take longer toilet breaks anyway, so... <laughs> The boss makes a dollar, I I make a dime. That's why, what is it? Shit on company time. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Yeah. Always shit on company time, guys. Take as long as possible. But yeah, like that is not a actual 
the fact that that was given as like actual advice Seriously. about how to manage chronic illness at work is so ridiculous. You should be doing that anyway. Able-bodied people do that every day. Oh, Fucking, no. Honestly, take longer breaks and that should not be an answer to any kind of disability and chronic illness stuff. Oh, Just no. do it anyway. Anyway, continue. I have chronic migraine and I've had to disclose to my entire workplace as it does impact everything about my life and work. Uh, Mostly everyone has been really supportive and accommodating. People have even sat in darkened rooms for meetings just to accommodate my pain. That's so nice. Um, That's awesome. We love that. I'm on a management plan for sick leave, which is stressful, but my boss is really understanding and it's reasonable that they need to be mindful of my sick leave as it has been excessive in the past. For employees, communicate with the individual regularly and be flexible with how sick leave might be arranged. For example, when I'm well, I often stay late at work so I can use that time in lieu instead of sick leave to stop my sick leave from being excessive. I do that too. Mm, That's really good. Do you have another one you want to read? Yeah. All right. I'm going to read a good one. Mm. (laughs) What a a novelty. Mm. Um, I know I'm the exception, but my employer has been very supportive. I think that's partially because I was hired when I was well. Mm. And building a relationship with them for several years, I think, is why they were more primed to be supportive when I became extra sick. Mm. Um, My advice for employers is talk about it, have HR talk about it. Don't skirt around it uh, like it's something that shouldn't be spoken about. Ask questions. Know that your employees are multifaceted beings that have more going on than just being a robot that has to be productive. And don't be toxic with positivity either. For employees, know what your rights are. Create paper trails. Use email so their responses are documented. And approach HR before approaching supervisors or bosses. That is 100% true. I highly recommend always going to HR first. Just because they... You know, even if they're not super well-versed in disability and chronic illness, it is one of those things where they know a lot more about, like, the legal rights of employees. So it's good to kind of get advice just in in that circumstance. Um, And they can always be in your corner if, you know, if the conversation goes – is pretty difficult. Mm. I am less on that side. I'm more – Oh, really? Yeah. I I have trouble trusting HR. Like, I'm more of a – let it get really bad and then bring the union in kind of person. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it, I suppose it obviously depends on uh, where you work and what your circumstances are. But, yeah, I've I've had a success with approaching HR first That's in the past. That's good. Um, but, yeah, obviously not every situation is the same. So um, I can't read all this comment out because it's very long, but I'll read a little bit. Mm. Um, I was – Uh, Don't tell them you're sick. My mum recites to me again and again whenever I start a new job. It sits uncomfortably in my stomach because it's almost impossible to be authentic when you're trying to mask or hide things that are chronically a part of you. Oh, hear that. Yeah. I lost both my jobs last year in in the pandemic. My last one too. Um, One in a traumatic way where I was essentially pushed out by new management that had no time for my special needs and the other stood me down because they could at the time and I was the one with no sick leave, therefore I was the cheapest to let go. So Again, this goes back to what we said about like, at the end of the day, they are a business and they will do the best thing for the business, exactly. not for you. So, so this poor yeah. person had a really bad mental mental and physical breakdown and went got a good diagnosis for them and had treatments and therapy and they found a good job by the sound of it um, and they had a sick day, sent a text to a supervisor and they said, no problem, let me know how many days you need, rest up and feel better soon. That was it. That was the beginning of me trusting a workplace that actually cared about me. What continued to happen over the next few weeks has started the healing process for me. In this workplace, every single person from top position to lowest shows care, respect and kindness and I've never been so motivated to go to work in my life. Um, I have not disclosed all my illnesses or disabilities yet because I haven't needed to. In this space, everyone respects another person's decision if they need to take time off to rest, to ask for things, to ask for support. And they are the most important things to me to be able to work. Being treated as a human being who has value, recognizing my strengths and skills, regardless of any disability or illness, is how I found my happy place in the workplace. And I cherish that because I know it's a rarity. That is amazing. And it it is devastating that it is that situation is uh, a rarity that is yeah that's super lovely know your rights record everything keep a paper trail don't let them discriminate and if they do don't be afraid to be assertive about your rights don't be ashamed we're fighting a battle every day and we are stronger than able-bodied people will ever realize or understand oof oof amazing oof 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 
Yeah, we'll do a couple more. I've been completely open with my manager. She is an ED nurse and I work in a hospital, but non-patient facing. She's compassionate because she's experienced migraines herself. People in my workplace are generally understanding. Sometimes in a clinical space, there is judgment of the old, it's only a headache, which is so far from what it is, a complex, no curable neurological condition. I reduced my hours to four days a week because of my condition. Sometimes I think to re- I need to reduce it even more, but financially that isn't really an option. Also, I really like my job and I don't want to lose my career. It gives me purpose. And this person says, it's been a mixture. At first, always sympathetic with words, but never with shifts or flexibility. Mm. Still punished for being unreal- unreliable, despite them knowing I am unwell. This person comments that they're in the hospitality industry. Stressed out and paranoid that my shift will fall on flare-up or I'll collapse. Constantly feeling like I'm coming across strange because I'll drug myself up to get the fuck through these shifts. (laughs) I feel that. (laughs) Big mood. Huge mood. For employers, uh, especially in the hospitality industry, flexibility and patience. It feels so unrealistic to even ask in hospo, oh God, I just lose so many jobs in the end because I get too sick and quit because I get overwhelmed and can't physically do it anymore and can't ask for the flexibility that I actually need. Mm. Yeah. The hospo industry is, oh God, the hospo industry treats able-bodied people like shit. So Yeah. (laughs) I can't imagine what it's like. Just the solidarity to that person, that is, that's hard. So thank you to everyone that sent us messages. As I said, we couldn't get to all of them. But this is clearly like a really, always is a really hot topic in the community. And, you know, we can keep touching on this kind of stuff. But solidarity to all of you out there that are experiencing this because you're not alone. Yeah, definitely not alone. If you saw our inbox, you are absolutely not alone, trust me. It is, yeah, it's something that is very, very hard and it's such a common experience across the board. So if there is anything specific that uh, you're wondering about or if you have questions about in terms of work and chronic illness, feel free to message us and we can touch on it in in a future episode. So we're going to move on now to Spoonie Hotline. Spoonie Hotline! This is from our, our lovely friend, Sean, who has appeared... Friend of the podcast, Friend Sean. of the pod, Sean, um, who has <laughs> appeared on one episode previous to this, talking about his experiences as a person with cystic fibrosis. And mm-hmm. when he saw our post this afternoon, he's like, oh, I got a lot to say about this. So I was like, mm, send us a spoony hotline. We'll play it. Yeah. Hell yeah, Sean. Yeah, so here we go. Hi, beautiful humans. I adore you and everything you are. You are all incredibly sparkly and the world needs more of you. But anyway, back to the topic at hand. Um, I am a 33-year-old male from Melbourne living with cystic fibrosis. I am a qualified primary and special education teacher. And I have encountered issues with disclosing my illness to my workplaces over the years since I graduated. I was always unsure of the when and the how when it comes to disclosing my illness. And like all human beings, it was through trial and error that I figured out the best way for me to deal with it. Initially, when I would disclose my illness during my interviews, the mood in the room shifted from calm and neutral and professional to a sort of elephant in the room response. One employer, after I disclosed during a particularly productive interview, suddenly shifted in her seat, scrunched her legs together in a very awkward crossing fashion, furrowed her brow and went, this is particularly different and unusual, the result of which obviously made me feel different and unusual. I didn't get the job. And I'll never know if it was because my chronic illness and disability meant I was suddenly a liability or maybe I was just shit at the interview. Other jobs... I've had uh, other jobs I've had, I decided to wait until I was employed and signed my contract. This also presented various problems. My principals at the time suggested this changes how we look at things in terms of yard duty locations, etc., as if I was suddenly burdening them with a task to do and that I should have said it earlier. I remember I applied for an internal leadership job within the school I was working at where I had already where I had already disclosed my illness the previous year. I managed to get an interview. All the questions were pre-prepared where I had 10 minutes to take notes before going into the room with the panel. All questions were relevant to the role. As I was answering my questions, the principal added, 
seemingly out of nowhere, how do you think you will manage this role with your health and everything? This completely blindsided me as I did not think this question was relevant nor important to the role I was applying for. However, caught in the moment and trying to be polite, I replied that yes, like with all employees with illnesses and disabilities, if fair and reasonable adjustments were made, I of course would be able to perform the role to the best of my ability. I didn't get that job either. And again, I'll never know if it was because there was a more suitable candidate or my answer to the inappropriate question in regards to my CF was not suitable to the principal. I have had some positive experiences though. One school in particular were very accommodating to me and made adjustments that I needed, but it is super tricky disclosing your disability to the workplace and my experiences have been far from great. Um, it's a whole set of challenges that you have to navigate and it can be walking on a tightrope, honestly. I am positive that there is going to be a change, but I think employers have a long, long way to go. And it's really, I'm not sure what the solutions are. And obviously I'm only one person and I can't solve all of that all on my own. But um, I'm positive there will be a change. But again, I'm sure that there's going to be many, many more issues like this sort of continuing in the future, unfortunately. Shawnee, we love you. Thank you so much. You are a beautiful, shining angel. And you bring up a really good point about bringing up disability and chronic illness uh, in interviews mm. and that situation of not knowing whether they've actively, you know, actively done the discrimination uh, <laughs> and it was because of your because of your disability or whether it was you were just shit at the job interview. And because it's, it's hard to make a complaint, uh, a discrimination complaint, if you don't know, you know, like... You know, you always feel like, oh, maybe they'll just say that I was shit at the interview, which is Am one I of shit? the big issues. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Am I shit at everything? Yeah. Yeah, which, I mean, with imposter syndrome, that is a big thing Fuck that we yeah. experience. So, yeah, it's it, that brings up a really good point. I hadn't thought about that. That's really, uh, yeah, thank you, Sean. But also, um, and I reckon he probably feels the same way, like part of the reason I don't like disclosing is because I don't like other people to decide what my ability is to do my job. That's my decision. That's that's what I know. Like I I, totally. I don't want someone else dictating that. Um, and I'm because it it removes your sort of agency as, yeah. a, as a person and as a as a sick person. Yeah, both of those things. You know, like it's yeah, it's horrible. Yeah, and you know, Sean and other people listening to the podcast will know what their body is capable of and what it's not. You know, and that just mm, needs to be a conversation totally. that happens. The same as if you have children or if you have um, a role as a carer, like. It's exactly the fucking same. It just needs to be communication and respect around this shit. How fucking yeah. hard is it? And trust. Yeah. They just need to, rather than tell you what your body can and can't do, they need to listen to what you say your body can and, can and can't do. Yeah. And trust trust you. Yeah. Just trust you. There's so you know? much like suspicion around it and it's really, like, yeah. disheartening and Especially annoying. with invisible illnesses. No one. Especially with invisible disabilities. No one it's, wants ugh. to go through this and go, I'm too sick to do my job. People want to be good at their job. It's Totally. People want to do the right thing. It's just I don't understand why people just assume that that this is like some sneaky thing or something that we're you know just doing for fun you know, oh yeah like, of course we don't want to have the yeah, of course we don't want to do this of course we don't want to have these conversations it's so embarrassing jackass. i felt yeah. yeah you just feel so embarrassed it's like horrible. it's horrible yeah um it's horrible but thank you for calling back sean we love you and you're so articulate and amazing and if i had children i would just want you to be the teacher um, Absolutely. And it's it's also about, like, especially if you're a teacher, like, diversity. Mm. This sh you know, <sighs> I, yeah. I just cannot. <laughs> a lot of that just angered me. <laughs> I know. Like, it was so – Sean's message was just, like, it started with calling, like, saying all these nice things about us and then everything he said just broke my heart and I'm, now I just want to punch people for Sean. <laughs> <laughs> Let's face it. I will protect you, Sean. He should be hosting this podcast, not us. Um, yeah, truly. <laughs> Um, so we actually have another Spoonie hotline and I have no idea what it's about. So this is a little mystery. Mm. This is from Jamila and I have no clue. Uh, hang on. Here we go. Hi, Chloe and Joe and everyone listening. Uh, my name's Jamila. My pronouns are they, them. I'm a chronically fully sick babe with endo. Um, I'm also an actor and playwright and I'm currently working on a show called Are You Better Yet? 
with Sarah Jade Tracy and I was given the task today to write like stream of consciousness uh, to the title my pain uh, feels like sorry brain fog my pain feels like and what I've ended up is kind of a love letter to the moon and I really wanted to share it with you because I thought you guys would like fully dig the like major dyke vibes colliding with pain and medication and yeah here it is my pain is like the tide controlled by an unseen force a higher power or math rolling in and receding crashing and lapping waves of agony descending upon my shore my nights are illuminated by her i reach for her I make sacrifices to the moon. I beg her forgiveness. I caress her luminous surface and kiss her neck until she sighs and consents to my release. I return to the moon, my round lover, when the next wave rolls in. We lie wrapped in each other, swaddled in the warm golden afterglow. When the next wave crashes, I fling myself at her pale radiance, my tortured gasps swallowed by her. Our breaths are in sync, our uteruses are in sync, we are in sync. The moon is a lesbian and I am her lover and the U-Haul has been emptied. The cats have been fed, the jeans have been cuffed, pins pinned and badges badgered. My keys bump against our thighs, the carabiner through my belt loop. I parallel park my plaid-clad chest to hers. Legs wrapped tighter, never let me go, never leave me alone, marry me, stay with me, make me forget, make me stop, think straight, let me sleep, hold me while I sleep, never let me go, don't go. So that's the first draft and I'm going to show it to the team tomorrow, which I'm excited to hear their response because uh, we're all big gaze um it feels really good to be making theater about endo and pain and chronic illness and the community that we create by taking care of each other and the shared intimacy of shared symptoms so i really hope that it will get on stage hopefully sometime next year and that we can finish making this show to show it to you all and we can have beautiful chronically ill audiences and gatherings and sharings and feeling represented and you know hitting each other's thighs and going that's me up there that's my story I know that that's me they're talking about what happens to me um so I'm just feeling very lucky and very happy and my all my endo pain goes away when I perform. That was something I wanted to tell you. The only time I'm pain-free is when I'm performing. It's magic. Um, and doctors can't give me that. So uh, I blatantly ask people to cast me so I can get pain relief. Um, have a great day. Love your work. Love the pod. Bye. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Can I just say that was... Firstly, the classiest like poem, like that's the classiest thing we've ever had on this podcast. Oh, yeah. And I'm so sorry at the start of this podcast, we were talking about farts. <laughs> and now this beautiful poem has been read out on, on the same episode. It was amazing. It was also probably the sexiest thing we've had on this pod. Mm. Um, yeah, that was, um, yeah, absolutely the dykiest thing that, <laughs> that we've ever played. Please let us know um, when we can come and see this performance because we really want to come. And yes. that just had so much energy that I very much enjoy and I think was the perfect thing for us to play to finish the episode. Um, oh, my God, yes. <laughs> oh. We need uh, all the mo all the motivation and all of the uh, sexiness in our lives that we can get. So thank you so much. Uh, I know oh what they mean about when you perform, your pain goes away. Like I remember when I broke my leg and I, it was still broken and mm. I, ha I was playing in a band and 
I just kind of stand there like a bloody flamingo and just play. And I couldn't, I couldn't feel anything. So I totally, yeah, I get you. Wow. I get you. Um, yeah. And if you'd like to submit your own Spoonie hotline, the best thing to do is send us a voice memo. If you have an iPhone, I don't know what the fuck Androids do. Don't ask me. But I think they've got a voice memo they? option. Anyway, I'm not sure. Just talk into your phone, email it to chronicallyfullysick at gmail.com. Try to keep it, I don't know, about five minutes, but we will never cut you off or say that there's mm-hmm. anything you can't say unless it's fucking horrific. You guys know already. Like, come the fuck on. Um, yeah. You guys listen. You know what our You, you know, what you know our the vibe. Are. Some big. You know how far our line is just in the sand. Some it's... big dyke energy. Like, bring it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we expect all of your your spoonie hotlines to be as sexy and dykey as, as that was. Yes. <laughs> no, we don't. It's. <laughs> It's okay. The line about the carabiners absolutely oh, that just killed sent me. me. That sent me. <laughs> and the cuffed jeans. Oh my god. <laughs> this is just you. Oh my god. Oh my god. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, uh, thank you for joining us this episode, uh, and we will be back soon. We'll be back soon. Bye. Bye.